Hello and welcome back to Braindump. So uh, this time on Braindump, we're very fortunate to have the legendary Neil Kelly. Uh, now Neil, Neil Kelly, if you don't know, is the former undefeated Midlands, English, British and Commonwealth light heavyweight professional full contact kickboxing champion. Neil is also a hugely successful coach, uh, coaching his own team uh, from Birmingham, the USKA, but also he's uh, been uh, an England coach for the ICO team. He's also helped me with my last three world champs as well. Uh, so uh, I'm just going to drop you straight in it. Uh, without further ado, here's Neil Kelly. Hello and welcome. You're listening to Brain Dump. This is a podcast where we talk about life from the meaningful to the extreme. You're going to Morocco Thursday. Yeah, heading off. Well-earned break. Day I had a day off before we broke up at the weekend was about six weeks ago. <laughs> Mad. Every day, day and night, every weekend, sometimes two competitions on, on the same day, split squad. Crazy, man. Hey, but I suppose better to be too busy than too quiet, yeah? No, it's true. It's true. I, I can relate to that. First of all, thank you for coming on the show. really appreciate it. You're welcome. Um, so, Neil, where did you grow up? Grew up in uh, Birmingham, uh, an area in Birmingham called Hall Green, um, Hall Green Mosley, which was a yeah nice area at the time. Yeah. And so when did you first get in, involved in martial arts and why and sort of how old were you? Well, about 11 years old, uh, just turned 11. And a friend of mine at school said, I've just started at a karate club. I was I was a bit boisterous as a kid and I was going, how good's karate? Karate, you don't need karate. And uh, I said, look, I, c- I can do karate. And I threw my leg up in the air and, and ended up on my back. <laughs> I thought to myself, yeah, yeah, look, we'll go and have a look at this karate club. And the karate club, my, my friend, he's, um, his uncle was teaching the class. Okay. Uh, a guy called Andrew Hennessy, which you're familiar oh, with yourself. Course. Yeah. Um, yeah, and from the first class, I was just hooked. I wasn't very sporty at school, had no interest in sports, athletics, anything like that, but I don't know. There was something about the martial art that had me hooked hooked from the uh, from the very first class. What kind of motivated you to stick to it? I mean, I'm a great believer that everybody has got a niche. Everybody will find their calling, and everybody will find their place. And s- some people it's football, some people it's cricket, some people it's outside of the sporting arena. You know, music. With me, like I say, I had no interest in any other sports. There was something about martial arts, and I think. The fact that I went onto the class and I was really bad. I was all <laughs> started, you know, I didn't know my left from my right, my up from my down. You know, there's probably around 20 kids on the class and I was the worst one of them. Because I was always striving to be better and to, you know, to climb the ladder kind of thing. I think that that kept me involved like that, mm. you know, pursuit of perfection kind of thing. Yeah, just the physicality of punching and kicking and getting punched and kicked. I just loved it. Well, I understand that. <laughs> um, and... Do you think because you weren't the strongest in the class to begin with, that was a sort of motivating factor, not necessarily being a natural in the beginning? Yeah, no doubt. No doubt at all. I mean, um, you get some kids. I mean, obviously, I'm an instructor now and you get some kids on the class and they're just naturals. You know, you show them something once and they've got it. You needed to show me a hundred times before I had the vague, like a vague idea of how to do it. And then I need to practice it another thousand times before it mm. got half decent. So with me, it was always a case of, 
you know, I want to be better than him. I want to be better than him. And, you know, I think coming in last and perseverance, you know, a lot can be said for that because it, it does keep you interested. Whereas if you are a natural and you get things easily, it's like, right, done that, on to the next thing. Competitiveness is of something that's obviously quite uh, pronounced in you. And uh, so do you think, you know, again, that was something that you you had before martial arts or was that sort of encouraged because of martial arts? Yeah, I, I, I wouldn't say that I noticed it before martial arts, but certainly as soon as I started martial arts, I wanted to be the best mm. and like a dream at the at the start because, you know, I was the worst. So <laughs> aspiring to be the best, but, you know, w- whether that's realistic or not, I don't know. I entered many competitions and come dead last. I entered um, probably six or seven competitions before I got my first bronze medal. Obviously, I've been doing it a long time, but I say I'm very competitive by nature. But I think you've got to be. To be, to be the best at anything, you've got to be. And when did you start competing and why? Uh, pretty much off the bat, uh, 11, 12 years old. Competition martial arts was massive. Mm. Um, we're talking in the 1985, 1986. You'd go to a competition and there'd be like 40 people in your category. You know, the category would start at 10 o'clock in the morning. It'd still be running at like two in the afternoon. We'd get like seven, eight fights to get to the final. Mm -hmm. It was really competitive. Everybody was doing it. Yeah, and it it just appealed to me, you know, appealed to me pitting myself and my skills against other people's. Um, Yeah, it just appealed to me from the get-go. So, yes, right right off the bat, I was competing. So you mentioned that you started in karate. Um, So when did you sort of transitioned into kickboxing or did it kind of like develop over time well the style that we that i started in was a a martial art called ecka eka which was a modern karate which is kickboxing so it's it's full contact karate Mm. so kickboxing wasn't as widely a used term back in the 80s it was all contact karate or freestyle karate yeah the things that i was learning on that very first class in 1986 are still the things that i'm teaching on my classes today so um a few different martial arts over the years taekwondo Mm -hmm. kung fu but my heart was always in in kickboxing definitely and this is probably an impossible question but do you know how many amateur fights you think you had oh geez (laughs) Yeah, uh, we used to compete like every Saturday, every Sunday. Um, like I say, you could have up to like eight, nine fights each day. I, I remember I, I used to count the trophies that I had, like my first places, my second places, my third places, but ne- never, never counted the fights. But it must have been up nearly like, I don't know, probably a thousand, maybe. I don't know. L- lots and lots of fights, lots and lots back in the day. When did you decide to go pro? And was this a tough decision? Um, not really. Probably I had my first professional fight at 17. Um, the amateur career was basically the tournament circuit. Mm. It's different today. There is an amateur circuit that you can go on. You, you make the transition into professional, but yeah, from the, from the tournament circuit that we were on, uh, it was a case of let's step up now. Let's go into gala fights, uh, evening shows. And the first one I remember was, um, just turned 17 and it couldn't come soon enough for me. I, I just like, couldn't wait to get into the ring and do what all the people, like the fighters in my club were doing, all the aspirations, that I, the, the inspiration, should I say, that were in our club at the time. Mm. And they were fighting full contact. And it was like, yeah, that's what I want to do. So straight into the deep end with professional full contact, yeah. Oh, see, I I love watching back your highlight reel. It's one of my, one of my favourite little, uh, uh, you know, clips you have. And it's particularly your little celebration with the uh, the spin to landing in the splits is... is... Yeah, yeah, that was my little... <laughs> My little trademark back in the day, jump, spin, kick to split, uh, jump, spin, kick to splits. Yeah, but yeah, couldn't do it these days. <laughs> uh, I would never get back up. <laughs> and so what weight did you fight at? 
Um, I started my career at super middleweight, which was uh, 75 kilos. I won Midland, English, British titles at super middleweight. And then I stepped up to light heavy, which was minus 81 kilos and pretty much seen the rest of my career out, my professional career out at light heavy. Oh, cool. Uh, and did you find that that was, did you cut weights or was it just sort of that's what you walked around at? Oh, oh I would I'd probably drop a stone and a half for mm. every fight. So it was like, you know, I didn't fight, I think because I was teaching full time, mm. um, I didn't fight as much as what I should have or could have. Okay. Um, and it's like every time I fought, I'd probably fight twice a year and it was a big event and it was a big build up, but I would need to drop a, a stone and a half every time I fought. Um, in hindsight, m- maybe I needed to be a little bit more active and, you know, not work so much weight in between each fight. And maybe maybe I would have stayed in the sport a little bit longer. I don't know. Yeah, I think the cutting is quite possibly the hardest part, including sort of the cutting aspect of, of prep. How do you go into, or how did you go into a fight and a competition? Was there like a particular procedure or what was your sort of mindset going into training and things? The thing is, I mean, we're talking, I finished my career in 2000, my professional career in 2002. Mm. And around that time, the the knowledge wasn't there in terms of the, the you know, dieting mm. and weight. And so with me, it was just graft. It was just graft, and and probably a lot of the the training that I was doing at the time was being detrimental. It wasn't helping me. It was pretty brutal, you know, in terms of just not eating a lot and training really, really hard. And I think I think the fighters today are a lot more equipped and they're a lot more prepared for battle. But okay. with me, literally just hard work, hard work, lots of running, lots mm. of training, lots of sparring, and that winner's mindset, you know, mm. uh, eat, sleep, kickboxing, repeat, mm. you know that pretty much eight eight weeks training camp and um you know sacrificing social life and mm. and family life and everything else just for that one goal to get your hand raised on the on fight night yeah and did you find all that hard as you mentioned sacrificing social life and all that sort of is that something that you found difficult to deal with or was it just your goal was fighting i think it was difficult but uh, you know you weigh up what you want mm. and you have to weigh up what you're going to do to get that. And this is something that I try to put over my, to my students now. It's like it boils down to what you're prepared to do, mm. what your opponent isn't prepared to do. And that gives you the strong mindset to, you know, to do what you need to do in training camp. And, and also on the night when it gets a little bit sticky on the night or, you, you know, you have to go to war on the night. Having that mindset to know that, you know, you've been there and you've done that in training camp and you're equipped for whatever your opponent brings to the table. Mm. So, yeah, it was difficult. Um, but everything that's worth getting in life is difficult. You know, it's, it's not plain sailing, is it? Is there a, uh, a particular aspect of being a fighter that you find the hardest in your career in general? With me, I think it was probably the, the weight making. Okay. Uh, I felt on a few occasions that I was training to make weight and not training to fight. Mm. And that's not productive. Um, you know, myself as a coach, I wish that I was my coach when I was fighting. You know, you approach things with a, a, a more level head. You know, for my last probably five or six professional fights, I, I trained myself uh, pretty much. So I had nobody steering me in the right direction or cracking the whip. Mm. I had good good people around me, but, you know, ultimately I was the, 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 the man that said what I wanted to do and when I wanted to do it. Remember in my last fight, 
one of my friends, you know, could see I was struggling in training camp with the motivation and the the weight making. And he said, Flex, just take just take three or four days off. And it, I needed to hear that from somebody else for me to to realize, yeah, you know, four days isn't going to kill me. Three days, three or four days isn't going to kill me. Mm. And then my three or four days back and then I, I was chomping at the bit to get back at it again. And you need good people around you. Don't you? you need good people around you telling you the right thing at the right time. Sometimes I find myself seeking permission to take a break. And it's a funny psychological thing that I've sort of found myself getting into at times. And it's interesting hearing that you're very similar. Um, you mentioned sort of, you know, the guys around you and those training. And uh, particularly with fighters, you have a very sort of family orientated group of people around you. Sort of who were those people and... Yeah, I mean, in, in my early career, I had Andrew H- Hennessy steering me, um, and then we parted ways. Uh, we've always remained friends and um, and now family. But yeah, when when I went to do my own thing and I was out on my own, I pretty much trained alongside my own fighters. Uh, one one fighter in particular, Philip Richards, who was an amazing fighter, he was like king of the welterweights back in the nineties. Um, he had a really flamboyant style and a, you know out of the box kind of style, fighting with his hands down. He was very Prince Nassim Hamadesque. He, he was an incredible fighter and I I drew a lot of inspiration from him. And although a lot of the time we were training alongside each other for fights, you know, I would listen to him probably more than anybody else in my corner. A very educated eye. And also he's got a skill set that, that I haven't got, skill set and a knowledge base from um, years and years of experience that when he talks, you listen. Probably he was my, the, the main guy Although he was my student, he was also my instructor. He was instrumental in my last couple of fights in getting the strategy right and getting the victories, yeah. It's phenomenal that you say that. It's interesting that you can learn just as much from a student as you can um, a coach. Do you have a uh, particular highlight in your career that you hold you know, close to your heart? Probably my Commonwealth, professional Commonwealth title. Training camp wasn't plain sailing. It was a tough training camp. And I was getting to the stage where I was juggling full-time teaching with, you know, professional fighting. I was finding it difficult. About midway through that training camp, I thought, this is my last one. You know, I've, I've got to get through this one. I've got to win this one by, you know, by hook or by crook. And then I'm going to hang up my gloves because probably the motivation isn't there anymore for circumstances because obviously other commitments. Mm. I think when I got my hand raised for that one, um, it was probably the highlight of my, of my fighting career. In terms of my martial arts career, different story because i consider myself to be a much better coach than i ever was a fighter interesting okay i thought i was a, a good fighter not a great fighter good fighter i believe that some of the students that i've got now are great fighters i feel like my my forte is bringing out the best in them was that hard was that hard giving up the sort of fighting career uh, at the time no okay. uh, i was ready to hang up the gloves you know over the years the 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 years after that, it's like, you know, should I do it again? Could I do it again? And and I made a comeback in 2011 just for um, world championships, uh, like continuous in the ring, mm-hmm. uh, just to see if I could do it again. Mm. You know, but there was an itch that I needed to scratch. And I probably enjoyed my training so much more for those world championships than I ever did for my professional fights because I suppose the, the knowledge was there then. I think if I had the mind I have now and the physicality I had then, I would have been an amazing fighter. Mm. But it doesn't happen like that sometimes. <laughs> no. Yeah, life isn't that easy. So do you have any memorable fights that are, you know, particularly hold a place for you um, and, and why? 
probably the the toughest fight, and and my favourite fight was against a fighter called John Shields, okay. uh, an amazing fighter from Banbury. Uh, I've got a lot of respect for John, and at the time he was just going for everyone in the light heavyweight division, uh, destroying them. <laughs> a very big hitter, very strong fighter. I was fighting him for his English English title. Uh, I was challenging him for his English title. And even my friends were saying, you know, he's he's going to knock you out. He's going to knock you out. Like, okay, okay, we'll see. And then um, I remember picking up an injury in training camp on my right shin. In terms of my armory, my right round kick to body was yeah. one of my, my strongest kicks. And uh, I picked up an injury to the point where I couldn't shin kick. So my instructor stroke student, Philip Richards, he said to me, well, let's try going back to the old, uh, like continuous days, the point side and go right side forward and use your lead leg as a side kick rather than a rear leg straight leg. And that was the first time that I'd ever switch hitted in a fight. Okay. Like between Orthodox and Southport. And it was just like by accident, I, I found my style switching between stances, fighting with my hands down, a little bit more unorthodox, a little mm. bit mobile. And I think that was the first time that I thought that it all came together. Mm. A really good performance against a really strong opponent, and um, yeah, it was a very good victory. I I enjoyed that, and I've, I've, I mean, I fought very good fighters. That was the one that I enjoyed the most. It's interesting you say that because every time I've seen you, that switching, that fluidity is the Neil Kelly that I know. Uh, and then watching, you know, your highlight reel, there's this a different animal, and it sound it's like you fine-tuned the weaponry now and uh, that was really cool to see it's evolution though isn't it i mm. mean no fighter is the finished product you know you have to go through journeys and steps and you need to you need to work out what type of fight you are and what works for you you know that was the first fight that it clicked with me but then every fight after that shin injury or not that's what i'd run with mm. you know and then it's strange because when when i come back to the light continuous in 2011 it was all just like experimenting because it wasn't so serious. I didn't take it very seriously. I took the training seriously, but the fighting, it was like, oh, well, let's see if I can fight with my hands down and let's see if I can, you know, taunt him with sticking my chin out and let's see if I can. All right. So that's going well. So let's see if you can do that a little bit closer or let's let's back yourself up to the ropes. Let's see what, what you can do on the ropes. It was always it was just an experimentation of pushing the realms of what you're in control of in the ring so that was that was fun i enjoyed um my comeback in 2011 and onwards mm. i enjoyed world championships and i enjoyed the training i don't think i really enjoyed my professional career it was a chore you know it was a chore it was hard and yeah there's a lot of things i would have th done differently about my professional career but not so much about the light continuous comeback i think um i had fun with that yeah, no, it's cool. And you can tell you're having fun. Whenever I've ever seen you do the light con, it, it, you can tell that there's a, I don't know how to say, but like a cheekiness to the way you fight. Um, and I I think that is, you know, you in a nutshell, I think sometimes. Um, the thing about the light continuous, I mean, when I was fighting, I was like, it was all for me. I was selfish. And then when I come back for the light continuous, I had a lot of students that had never seen me fight. And, it's, and like they were kind of, watching to see what i was going to do so as well as fighting it was also performing you know so it's it's like you've got to put on a show for people uh if people have heard, heard about like that you were a half decent fighter back in the day and then if they watch you and they go oh is that is that all he's about you know so you have to put on a show for people as well and and be flamboyant without being arrogant or without you know over overstepping the mark with the showboating but 
yeah, putting on a show was important to me as well. And did you ever find that, you know, expectation on, on your shoulders, that that kind of pressure, was that ever difficult to deal with? Maybe for the comeback in 2011, the first one, I, I used to think to myself, well, you think you can do it. And in the gym, you're looking okay. But what if you get in there and it all goes pear-shaped? And what if people look at you and, like, if they've if they've heard about you as a fighter and then they watch you in the flesh and they think, mm, he's all right, he's all right. I think you can you can damage your reputation, you know, mm. if you go on too long or um, if you don't prepare correctly. So probably anticipation in the first one back. But apart from that, no, I think I always cope well with pressure. And I think when you put in the work in the training camp, a fighter's mindset is not about if I if I win or not. My my pressure was that self pressure is just you know are you going to be happy with your performance when you win? You, a fighter can't allow himself to think about losing, although it's, sometimes it happens. But a fighter in training camp can't can't think about losing. He's got to be thinking everything in his psyche, and he's has got to be about win 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 no matter what. Have you had any low moments in the in your career? Yeah, a few injuries. Didn't have to deal with defeat much, which is a good thing for when I hit my stride. I think I've done all my losing early on in my career. <laughs> I'm used to it, and um, so no, I think I've had a good. I think I've had a good run, a good run as a fighter. A uh, few disappointments, obviously, with fighters. You know, when they don't get the decision that they're looking for, or they don't get the win that they've been working so hard for. But you got to appreciate it's sport, and there's winners and there's losers, and that's what happens sometimes. So no, on the whole, it's been it's been pretty uh pretty on the upside. I remember in I think it was. 2014 or 2013 the unified world champs uh, and you were in the final and we were warming up together and you told me that you were a follower of islam and as a result you were saying that your destiny was already laid out in front of you and mm -hmm. this really took me aback. i was like wow this is incredible do you think your faith has played a, a role in your kickboxing career or is this something that you've i found islam in 2001 2002 which was right at the end of my professional career I, I think islam plays a part in everything in life obviously with me because i'm a muslim and and we as muslims believe that everything is pre-written mm -hmm. you know your book is already written and you can't change anything in that book is how it is you have to be accepting of good things and bad things uh, anything that comes is all we believe is all from allah it's all from god so when you go into a fight and you've prepared well and you've you've put your all into your into your preparation if you don't get the decision or you don't get the result that you're looking for your faith tells you it's okay because allah's got better, a better plan for me or he's going to teach me a lesson from this loss that will improve me in the future you know so yeah that's just a life thing i don't think that's a kickboxing thing that's mm. just a life just to be accepting of your destiny and to not dwell on things too much and just allow things to be now i remember just sticking in in my mind because i remember you were going into this this fight and you hadn't lost in 20 years and i remember thinking that would cripple me, <laughs> that kind of pressure. But you were so cool about it. And yeah, it was really impressive, I, I'll be honest. Now uh, you're a coach. And, and when did you when did you start coaching? started full-time coaching at 16 years old, pretty much straight from school. I remember covering a couple of classes for my, my instructor. I was covering his classes because he had an accident. He had an accident at work and um, sliced open his arm. And as a result, 
he couldn't teach. So I was covering his classes and then it, it got about like two or three months down the line. And he just said, you know what? You're doing a good job with him. You just have that class. And it was like, wow. Yeah, I like this. Started a full-time gym at probably 19 years old and been teaching ever since. Yeah, I've had um, one, two, three, four, five full-time gyms. Yeah, yeah, over the years, over the 30 years I've been teaching. Because obviously you're going to get people who are just there for a bit of fitness and then people who are hardcore fighters who want to, you know, win titles. Is it tough getting that kind of balance? It is. I mean, people are how they are. Some people have got the appetite for for just real hard work and, you know, graft. And then other people will be watching the clock, you know, to see what they can get out of the gym. But I, I do find that hard work is contagious. The mentality of a, of a good fight team, everybody starts to bounce off each other. And even if you aren't of that mindset, you know, if you're training around people that are of that mindset, they kind of carry you along with them. Mm. You know, hard work is contagious. And that's what we try. That's the vibe that we try and create in the gym all the time. But I think that if you haven't got that mindset at some point, you're going to get found out. And 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 it's a case of you might be good enough with your natural skill set, the work that you're putting in, you might be good enough to beat 90, 90% of the people that are out there. But is that good enough? <laughs> you know, we, you want to beat everybody that's put in front of you. You want to find a way to beat everybody that's put in front of you. When you look at all the fighters that come out of your club, there is a bulletproof sort of persona that I think everyone has. And it is, you know, it's feared. It is feared in, in the kickboxing community for sure. Do you think kickboxing is evolving as a sport? Probably not. Interesting, okay. Yeah, unfortunately, probably not. I think it's stood still for many years. And I think it's a great product. There's nothing wrong with the product. Mm. I think it, there's something wrong with the people within the sport and their mentalities. And it's so fragmented. Nobody seems to want to work together. And at an association level, everybody wants to be the best and nobody wants to pull people with them kind of thing. Mm. It's... I think we need to have a united front. I mean, we as we as an association, USKA, we go to all the governing bodies championships. There's nobody that we won't attend a competition because it's a certain amount, certain initials, or we want to be. We just want to be the best. I think the sport. There's a lot of people that are just happy with being the best in a small area, you know, in their own little bubble. And it's a, it's a false victory or it's a false a sense of success, isn't it? Mm. I mean, it's only you're the best in that very small area. I think to put yourself against the, everybody else in the country, then you can say you're number one. So yeah, unfortunately, I think that kickboxing, it needs something. I don't quite know what it needs, but it needs something to to bring it out of the slump that it's in. I find that uh, if I'm ever uh, explaining kickboxing to sort of outsiders, this fragmentation is something that is always a bit of a hurdle. It's always like you have to explain the different associations and the different connections. Uh, and you're right, sometimes it is just a bit political. Like at the end of the day, we want to create the best fighters rather than any kind of, you know, animosity between people. I think the the, the associations, I mean, they, they differ even in like, what what is a professional world kickboxing champion is it someone that fights 12 two minute rounds mm. or is it somebody that fights five three minute rounds or is it somebody fights w without their foot and shin pads on or is it somebody we can't even get it right on like a base level and just the rules i mean in boxing the rules are what they are mm. whether it's wbc ibf wbo IBO, it's always 12 two-minute rounds, you know, the unified rules of boxing. In kickboxing, it's like, right, what rules are we fighting today? 
well, we're fighting kickboxing. Okay, but what rules are they? Are you allowing this? Are you allowing that? You know, I think we've got to try and come together on an association level. You know, it, it, it sounds like such an easy fix, but we've been saying it for many, many years and it just doesn't seem to be happening. It doesn't seem to be happening. Um, well, thank you, Neil. Honestly, it was an absolute pleasure. I'm so grateful that we finally got this conversation. Before you go, uh, how can people find you, find the club, like how people get involved in kickboxing? Sort of. Well, we're based in Birmingham at the Oscar Fight Factory. Uh, the website is www.uskerkickboxing.co.uk. Um, so you can find us there. But obviously, there's going to be a lot of people listening um, to this from all over the country. So we'd advise you to go onto Google, uh, find a reputable kickboxing club, shop around, look around, maybe try out a couple of different clubs and find out where the best fit for you is. I mean, there's as many different martial arts as there are people. Definitely shop around, make sure that everything feels right, everything looks right, do your research and try and get into martial arts because martial arts is such a wonderful thing on on so many different levels whether you want to be a world champion or you just want to you know increase your your well-being your health and your well-being martial arts is perfect for that so brilliant thank you so much you're more than welcome Tana. it's been great speaking to you awesome that was amazing honestly i'm so grateful you're more than welcome more than welcome i'm glad that you're seeing well have, have done many of these before this will be number 32 i think awesome awesome brilliant all right well thanks mate and uh have a lovely time in morocco i will do and have a good christmas and new year and hopefully catch up with you in the new year yeah definitely i'd love that Thank you for uh, tuning into this uh, episode of Brain Dump, first one of 2020. Uh, really good one. Kelly's a really interesting guy. And another big thank you to Monty for editing the episode once again. Uh, really appreciate the support he's, he's provided me. All right, till the next time. See you.